All right, it's Monday, and you're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Blue Monday. Now, all you folks out there that had a rough weekend, and you want Gary Gatehouse to feel sorry for you because you're sitting at work with a head the size of a Volkswagen because you partied all night all the way into Sunday? I don't feel sorry for you. I've been there and done that, man. Hey, I got a question. Whatever happened to Hillary and her damn servers and all that top secret info kind of disappeared off the radar screen, didn't it? Hey, I got some news about Mr. Donald Trump coming up, so stand by. Kind of give you an idea of what Fox News thinks of him and all the people they prayed across that television screen. All the experts and all the panel members and all the people they call up. Every time something goes down, you can count on Fox News having a whole litany of different individuals from prison guards to you name it up there telling what they know, what they think. And you can't forget Fox News. Man, they have some of the top generals and they all have blonde hair and wear dresses. <laughs> All right, get your stuff together. It's Monday. If you're listening to this at home and you're supposed to have been at work 45 minutes ago, you're late! Fire up the truckster and get down the road, man. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there's been a lot of going on about Donald Trump, a lot of being said about Donald Trump. At every opportunity, it seems Fox is out there saying something about him, all the talking heads up there, Bill O'Reilly and... Van Susteren and the whole damn bunch. I want you to listen to this and kind of, kind of, uh, oh, I don't know, read between what these people are saying about Donald Trump. Kind of, kind of really think hard here. Have a listen. To deny frontrunner Donald Trump the party's presidential nomination. I mean, what do you make of this? Uh, look, I think it's interesting that they allowed this conversation to get out in the first place. This was a dinner that was attended also by representatives or let's say intimates of Romney. Bush and Rubio, but no one else uh, other than a party leadership. But look, the the odds of it being a brokered convention are almost nil. That happens, you know, there's many ballots that, that would happen on the floor first, and the delegates are bound only in the first ballot. If there's no clear winner, which I find very hard in this field for the Republican grassroots not to be able to determine who they want to be the nominee, they then have several more ballots that the delegates then can can change and be wooed and switch over. Uh, the idea of it being brokered means that nobody could come to a decision. That's not going to happen this time. But it does send a message, even Ben Carson's comments, send a message about how, how much there's a lack of trust in the party. And I, and I would say that 1976 is a good example, that the establishment was preferring to hand the White House over to uh, the uh, uh, Democrats 
as opposed to President Reagan. We know that that failed, Carter became the president, and Reagan had to come back and save the party. On the other hand, in this case, it might be the same way. Are they willing, the party, to hand over to Hillary Clinton versus losing the party to someone like Ted Cruz? Chuck, do you think that that's actually the case? I mean, do you think that Republicans would seriously rather hand the, the election over to Hillary Clinton than get a Donald Trump or even Ted Cruz? It's a mistake to look backwards. You have to look forwards for this reason. We've never seen this many people run for president at one time. And what makes it uniquely different is candidates can now stay alive because of our campaign finance reform. Because people have super PACs and can stay alive to the very end. You know, I do politics for a living. I run campaigns for a living. What's changed in our electoral process now is normally you would run out of money if you didn't capture one of the first, the second, or the third states. But with this circus of all of these people running with Donald Trump at the top, they can stay alive all the way to the convention. And when you you have this many people uh, kind of sliced off and their electoral votes sliced off, you'll have so many people that are still going to be alive that anything could happen and we've really never seen anything like it. That's why you see the party stall. We're so upset and you see this leaking out. This looks terrible for the RNC. This looks terrible for the GOP. I mean, for them to actually, and for, their, for us to even be talking about the fact that yeah. they would rather Hillary Clinton in the White House and turn their backs on Donald Trump and Ted Cruz, obviously the Republicans need to get it together. Because, I mean, if they want to see a clear winner and it all comes down to the delegates. They do need to pay attention to these polls as much as I hate polls. And the Iowa caucus is still a month away. I mean, right now in the polls, the clear winner is Donald Trump. Well, yes, but the polls are not people going to vote, and that's very different. Also, it depends on the turnout at the Iowa well, caucus. Well, and, yes, and let me tell you, if there's a high turnout, that's going to be in favor, that's going to favor Donald Trump. Well, it, it depends. I mean, it depends on who's got the best ground game, who's getting people to go to that caucus experience. It's very different than actually just writing out your ballot and voting. It's a longer term dynamic. And Ted Cruz has that ground game across the United States. He's on the most ballots of anyone. He's on 40 right now. But the fact of the matter is, for the Republican Party, they've got to begin to trust the voter. I mean, the, the voter was right in 1976. They did not want to give it to Reagan. Uh, uh, Gerald Ford never would have won after pardoning Nixon. Reagan understood this. So the, the, the machine has got to realize that they can trust the voter. And right now, the reason Trump is so ahead and, and the other outsiders are is specifically for these reasons, of course, because people think that the machine doesn't trust the voter, has its own agenda, and will mm -hmm. do whatever it can to further that agenda. I mean, it's it's really the, the divisiveness between Republicans and, and Donald Trump. I mean, I understand why they're upset with him, and a lot of his 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 comments have been polarizing and upsetting and and. and I mean, just racially wrong uh, on behalf of a lot of people who believe in the Constitution. But, you know, there are Republican op opponents, okay, a Jeb Bush backer this week, for example, called for Trump to quit the race. Now, we all know that's not going to happen, okay? <laughs> uh, but a, a Republican Florida congressman, in fact, said that if he is our nominee, he's talking about Trump, he said, quote, I think Republicans lose the Senate, he puts the House at risk, and sends the party into the yes. wilderness for the next decade. And cats are going to sleep that, with dogs, right? And, and Right. So here's what's going on, and here's what happens here, is the Republicans need Donald Trump's supporters. They need Ted Cruz supporters. The point that was eloquently made is that there's a lot of people out there who feel a lot of discontent, and they're letting that be shown by supporting Trump and Cruz. Let me be clear. I'm a Democratic operative. I, dis, I don't agree with anything that's been said, but if you look at it from a pure political standpoint, and just on coming up with numbers, at the end of the day, people hire me to figure out, do I have enough votes to win? Mm -hmm. If you're going to keep the House and you want to take back the Senate, you're going to need those Donald 
Donald Trump voters to show up at some percentage, or you have no shot at keeping the Senate this year. And that's what the party's trying to do. How do we make him just happy enough so we get his people to the polls to help us win? How do they make Donald Trump just happy enough to get his people to the polls so the Republican Party can win? What are they talking about there? That come from the mouth of a Democratic hack, a Democratic operative, commenting on the Republican Party, commenting on Den uh, De uh, Donald Trump and Ted Cruz. And if you listen to it very carefully, if you listen to it very carefully, it bounces back and forth. But there's hope. They're stating that there is hope in the RNC, the elitist, the Republican Party leadership, the status quo. There is hope that some way they can broker a convention and get rid of Donald Trump. They don't want him. They don't really want Ted Cruz or Ben Carson. Because you see, those, are, those guys are outsiders. Even Ted Cruz, who's a senator. From my state of Texas, he's considered an outsider, a non-starter with a status quo on the Republican side of the House, on the Republican side, period. Mr. Cruz, Mr. Trump, Mr. Carson, they are big threats to the Republican Party. They are big threats to the game that the Republican parties build up and have been running for a long, long time. Now, here a couple of days ago, I wrote an open letter to Mr. Priebus. He's the head of the RNC, the Republican National Committee. And I also included the Republican leadership, Paul Ryan and that damn bunch of yokels. And I said, Mr. Priebus, you are attacking a fellow Republican who you almost forced to sign a document stating he would run as a Republican and not switch to an independent during any course of the campaign. That agreement, cut, agreement cuts both ways. You as a political party, regardless of what your leadership thinks, regardless of how you perceive Mr. Donald Trump as a person, his style of campaigning, speaking the truth about not only Obama and his administration, Democrats, and yes, the Republican leadership as well. Mr. Donald Trump doesn't pull any punches. There's an old saying that my father used to tell me many years ago, the truth hurts. Republican leadership, as we the people see it, sold out to Obama and threw we conservatives under the bus. You have called us names and indicated many times over you wanted nothing to do with the conservative movement support within the Republican Party. You as a party promised your constituents that once we help you take the House that you would fix things. That did not happen. Then in 2014, you told us, just give us the Senate and we will get things straight in Washington, D.C. That, sir, did not happen. You capitulated and sided with Obama administration on just about every issue. Oh, you had votes on Obamacare and Planned Parenthood, etc., but those were all window dressing. I suspect the real deal with Obama on those and other issues were hammered out behind closed doors. Bottom line, you sold out voters who have supported your party. 
Along comes Mr. Donald Trump, Mr. Ted Cruz, a rebel within the Republican Party, a man who stood alone against the Republican elitist. You have indicated by your actions and statements that you have no love lost for Mr. Cruz. You have indicated through your public statements that Mr. Cruz is not welcome to speak for the Republican Party. Mr. Trump, an outsider, a businessman, very successful, I must say, and I might add his achievements stand head and shoulders above anything leaders of the Republican Party can ever claim. Mr. Trump, as I said earlier, has and is speaking the truth. He pulls no punches. He doesn't hide under his desk. He is out amongst we the people, shining the light of truth on Washington, D.C. He is speaking to and resonating with the American people. More than I can say about anybody in the Republican Party, less one, Mr. Ted Cruz. Bottom line, if you, the leadership of the Republican Party, think that you will force the people to accept a status quo lackey of your party, you are sadly mistaken. We have finally woken up and we now understand and realize that we are on our own when it comes to the republican party leadership listening to us you shut us out a long time ago sir we have found two champions to hang our hopes on for america mr donald trump and mr ted cruz the republican party and republican leadership no longer has the support of we conservatives sir we have finally figured you people out. And I sent that letter off to everywhere and anybody within the Republican Party that had an email that I could find. You know, ladies and gentlemen of America, it's time. Mr. Donald Trump, Mr. Ted Cruz, and to a lesser extent, Mr. Ben Carson, those three individuals poise a huge threat through the scheme and all the BS that has come about through the Republican Party and its leadership over the last few decades. They have played us like a fiddle. And they sat behind closed doors, probably as I speak, laughing their backsides off that they've got this and they've got that ready lined up to go after Donald Trump and Ted Cruz to shut him up. They get up there and they talk a good game about First Amendment and the Constitution, etc. But they're nothing more than elitists that sit in their ivory towers up in D.C. and look down their nose at we the people. Somewhere in a bunker in Phoenix, Arizona, rebooting Liberty Radio Network and Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Tune in. See what Gary's up to. See what rebooting Liberty Radio Network's up to. Conservative talk at its best. Tune in to Gary every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on rebooting Liberty Radio Network. Be there! We'll be right back after the Phyllis Shafley Report. Stay tuned. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Mrs. Schlafly is a constitutional attorney, pro-family leader, and author of 25 books, including the best-selling A Choice, Not an Echo. And now, here's the founder of Eagle Forum, Phyllis Schlafly. December 14th is the anniversary of a great loss for our country. That date marks the death of General George Washington, founding father and first president of the United States. 
Today gives us another opportunity to remind listeners about the true greatness of the man who is properly called first in war, first in peace, and first in the hearts of his countrymen. The picture of George Washington used to hang in every public school classroom, but somehow those pictures disappeared. Modern writers have tried to downgrade Washington's religious faith. In Washington's time, there was a strict formality in the way they addressed Almighty God. Washington and the struggling Americans asked every day for God's help and believed that Providence would indeed favor their battle for independence from England. Washington's public statements and private letters are full of references that show a deep and profound Christian faith. Here are several examples. In a general order to his troops, dated May 2, 1778, Washington wrote, To the distinguished character of patriot, it should be our highest glory to add the more distinguished character of Christian. The next year, Washington said in a speech to Delaware leaders, You do well to wish to learn, above all, the religion of Jesus Christ. Washington rigorously observed the Sabbath and attended church services on that day. Numerous associates reported that he regularly reserved time for private prayer. Those who knew Washington best, including the chaplains who served under him during the American Revolution, had no doubt about Washington's strong religious beliefs. The education elite and the media may try to hide or whitewash George Washington's role in our country. So let's take this day to remember the real George Washington and just how much this man's Christian principles guided the early years of our nation. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Eagle Forum. Especially if you have children at home, I encourage you to get our special report on George Washington. Looking at his life can help restore our respect for the office of the president. Write Eagle Forum Radio, Alton, Illinois, 62002, and ask for free information on George Washington. That's Eagle Forum Radio, Alton, Illinois, 62002. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Liberty Council is a litigation, education, and policy organization established to preserve and advance religious freedom, the sanctity of human life, and the family. We have offices in various places around the United States and affiliate attorneys in all 50 states, plus a major outreach in the nation of Israel. Don't get discouraged about what's happening in our country and around the world. Get encouraged. Get on your knees in prayer and get involved. Stand with us in preserving our Judeo-Christian values. Visit lc.org. You are listening to the sound of the heartbeat of an unborn baby just 28 days after conception. Every day, more than 3,000 abortions are performed in this country, and each abortion stops the heartbeat of a living unborn baby. Since 1973, the annual number of abortions has gone from approximately 750,000 a year to just under 1.3 million. Abortion isn't rare or safe, only legal. Legalized abortion on demand has taken the lives of more than 50 million unborn children and left those women who have had abortions more vulnerable to physical, mental, and emotional complications. We at National Right to Life are working to break this cycle. We are working for the day when both mother and child will be welcomed, loved, and protected. Won't you help us? This has been a Perspective on Life from National Right to Life. For more information, visit our website, nrlc.org. 
Hey, this is Gary Gatehouse, and I'd like to give you a hot flash here. Trade Martin, that's right, Trade Martin, famous producer, famous music writer, now has his own radio show on Sunday morning. That's right, Big Dog Radio. And you can get him on Big Dog Radio, blogtalkradio.com. Don't forget, every Sunday morning, 9.30 Eastern Standard Time. Uh, welcome back. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to read you something that uh, was published way back in 2008. The words of an Egyptian cleric about Obama. Have a listen to this. Now, this is a Muslim that uh, delivered an address which aired on Al Nas TV on November 27th, 2008. He's an Egyptian cleric. His name is Hassan Abu al Ashabo. And the headline that Gary Gatehouse attached to this address way back in 2008 was, A Muslim is a Muslim regardless of the clothes they wear or the words they speak in public. This cleric, this Egyptian cleric, said the following. He said, Let me take this opportunity to address the leader of Europe and the leader of America. Who is the leader of the world? Obama. Who is the leader of Byzantines? He is like the Byzantine leaders in the days of Prophet Muhammad. My message to him is threefold. First, I invite him to convert to Islam. This is the call of the Prophet and of Allah. O Obama, convert to Islam. And you will be saved. I hope that Allah will reward you twice. Once for converting to Islam and another reward for all those who will convert in your footsteps. If you want glory, you will find it in Islam. You want honor, you will find it in Islam. In religions other than Islam, there is utter humiliation. Even if you are the president of the entire world. You, Obama, are among those who have pledged before Allah, Allah who created you, sustained you, and brought you into the position to be a Muslim, who believes that Allah is the one God, especially since you have some kind of roots in Islam, convert to Islam and you will be saved. All glory and honor lie in following Allah and his messenger Muhammad. Know that the true religion is the religion of Islam. And all other religions are fabricated religions, which are null and void religions, which are abrogated by the Sharia of Muhammad. If you refuse to your Islamic origins, if you refuse to return to your Islamic origins, to the way Allah created you, withdraw your huge armies and military bases from the hands of Muslims. Know that all your predecessors have ended up in the garbage bin of history. And America, America's black bleak history in the land of the Muslims and the Arabs constitute an evil omen for you, your predecessors and your successors. Know Obama that America, with all its size and might, will know no peace as long as a single Muslim child lacks food, drink, medicine, or housing. If you refuse, Obama, and insist on remaining in Muslim lands, know that Allah still plants in Muslims obedience to him 
and they are willing to wait for paradise, which is closer than their own shoelaces. That was a speech given by an Egyptian cleric way back November 27, 2008. And he's asking for Obama to come back to his Islamic religion, convert back to his Islamic religion, and do all the things that Allah wants him to do. Take the the United States military out of the Middle East, and Allah will be happy and reward you, Obama. How long after we heard this speech from this man, this cleric, how long after that did Obama start the movement to shut down our military in the Middle East? How long after that November speech by that Egyptian cleric in 2008 did we understand that and started talking about Obama being a Muslim? How long after that speech did Obama actually say, I am not going to conduct war in the Middle East anymore, and he started moving our troops out of Iraq? The question I may ask is, did this cleric scare the bejesus out of of Obama and shake his to his very toenails? Did Obama realize that he is truly a Muslim and what this cleric said is the truth that Obama really should follow? Not being an American, not being a Christian as he professes to be, but the Islam, the uh, Islamic religion that he has been taught when he was younger, out of the Quran. He bought into it. We know he has. But the simple fact of the way he speaks lovingly about Islamic people and the Islamic religion and Muslims and the Quran and the call to prayer and how he went on and uh, all over the Middle East and apologized for the America being the way we are. Trying his best to bring us down to a third world country with a third world army. You know, ladies and gentlemen, if you really dig in and look at some of the things that have transpired since Barack Hussein Obama Jr. came into being as the President of the United States in the coup of 2008, one can surmise, one who pays attention, one who has common sense, at the very, very least, Obama is a Muslim sympathizer. But I dare say, it goes further than that. I would say Obama has re-embraced his religion of Islam. Obama now marches to that tune as he did once before when he was growing up. Obama harkens back to all those days he talks about, like I said, very lovingly. And Obama has nothing good to say about Christians. When it comes to bringing Christians that were being oppressed, having been being headed by ISIS in the Middle East, Obama didn't bring any any of them over here as refugees, as people who were suffering from being a religion that Muslims hate. No, he brought other Muslims over who signed on to Islam, his brothers and sisters. You know, folks, you don't, like I said, you don't have to dig deep very far into what Obama has said then and now. What he stands for, what he doesn't stands for. It only takes a little bit of time, effort, and maybe just a little bit of searching around and some analysis. This is Gary Gatehouse. 
and we'll be back after a few short messages. Don't you go away. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show on freedominamerica.us. Tune in 24-7 to listen to Gary. If you don't clean up your room, the Board of Health is going to condemn it. The Board of Health doesn't even know about your room. What's more, they don't care. You know, if you keep making that face, it's going to freeze that way. Not unless you're someplace really, really cold. Actually, a lot of the warnings moms hand out are a bit exaggerated. If you don't get your blood pressure checked, you could have high blood pressure, not even know it, and you could die from a stroke. But she's right about that one. Fact is, high blood pressure contributes to 200,000 American deaths each year. And a third of those who have high blood pressure don't know it. If they did, it'd be simple to treat. Call the American Heart Association at 1-800-AHA-USA-1 or visit AmericanHeart.org on the web to learn more. Better still, ask your doctor to check your blood pressure. If you run with those scissors... It's the least you can do. Son, we gotta talk about drinking. I know. I don't want you touching alcohol till you're old enough. Yeah, I, I know, Dad. It's not a big deal. Don't yeah, I know me, okay? And it is a big deal. Underage drinking is just stupid. Yeah, well, why'd you do it? Look, I did it because we didn't know what we know now. Alcohol affects kids differently, okay? When kids drink, it's more dangerous. And you're my kid. And just because they drink doesn't mean you have to. I, I know. I know. Look, son, I'm trying to help. I've seen what it does. I mean, you may think you can handle it, but when you drink, it screws up your judgment. Listen to me. This is real. I, I know, okay? I know. Teenagers know everything. So talk about underage drinking before they know it all, before they're teens. Start talking before they start drinking, and keep talking. To learn more about the dangers of underage drinking and what to say to your kids, go to StopAlcoholAbuse.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Now you folks out there that are having a rough Monday, this song's for you. Well, it's all right Riding around in the breeze Well, it's all right If you live the life you please Well, it's all right Doing the best you can Well, it's all right As long as you lend a hand You can sit around and wait For the phone to ring Waiting for someone to tell you everything Sit around and wonder what tomorrow will bring Maybe a diamond ring Well, it's alright Alright, everybody clap their hands and say Hallelujah, it's alright You don't need to be blue on Blue Monday No, you don't Get yourself stuck in, get your job done, get home and relax. Get ready for Tuesday. <laughs> Maybe somewhere down the road away. You think of me and wonder where I am these days. Maybe somewhere down the road when somebody plays. Purple haze. Well, it's all right. Gary Gatehouse. Even when push comes to shove, well, it's all right. 
like to give a shout out to my mates over there on Restoration Radio International. How you doing, Paul? How you doing, Michael, Alan, Kim, Bruce? Hope you're having a great day this Monday. You, Colin, and Tony, and Jerry, and David, and Karen, Buster, and Stephen, and Anthony, and Mike Morrison, Scarlett, Carl Smith, Alan Ashwood. It's Monday, and it's all right. I hope you uh, radio station owners are having a great day Monday. Jared, Mr. Billy Van Horn, Mr. Stephen Lang, Mr. V down there in Florida. I hope you're having a great day. Blue Monday. Let's go. Let's go. You know, folks, just one of many reasons Islam, Sharia law, does not fit into America's whole scheme of things. Our belief system, our way of life, is 180 degrees out of phase with all Muslims. Because you see, all Muslims who practice their faith, Islam, that phony religion, that cult, that they call Islam, and practice that faith fervently, read the Quran, live by the Quran, they cannot be Americans, in a sense, as we know Americans. Just one, one illustration. Honor killing. Muslims, Islam, Sharia law, honor killings. What is an honor killing? An honor killing or honor killing, also called a customary killing, is the murder of a member of a family or social group by other members due to the belief of the perpetrators and potentially the wider community that the victim has brought dishonor upon the family or community. The perceived dishonor is normally the result of one of the following behaviors or the suspicion of such behaviors within the Muslim community. A. Dressing in a manner unacceptable to the family or community. B. Wanting to terminate or prevent an arranged marriage or desiring to marry by own choice. C. Engaging in heterosexual sexual acts outside the marriage or even due to non-sexual relationships perceived as inappropriate. And D. Engaging in homosexual acts. Now, the United Nations Population Fund, UNFPA, estimates that perhaps as many as 5,000 women and girls a year are murdered by members of their own families under Islamic Sharia law. Many women's groups in the Middle East and Southwest Asia suspect the victims' list are at least four times more than what the United Nations says, around 5,000. So you're talking about 20-some thousand. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, Obama, politically correct mainstream media, and many politicians keep saying Islam is a religion of peace, a religion of understanding and tolerance. Yet Islam, under Sharia law, allows Muslim families to kill family members that do not comply with Sharia law. 
This belief uh, system is in direct conflict with our laws here in America and the Western world. How can we as Americans or Western world people, Europe, for instance, or New Zealand or Australians or, or, or uh, Canadians, how can we allow for Muslims, Koran, Sharia law to live side by side with our judicial systems? We can't. How can we as Americans accept laws that are contrary to our very beliefs and our, our laws themselves? Answer, we can't. We have to look no further than England, where Sharia law is a, the law of the land in Muslim, many Muslim communities. British law doesn't even apply. Can anyone with common sense in America or Europe honestly say Muslims practicing Islam can assimilate into our culture, our way of life? Again, the answer is a resounding no. And I have to say this. Wake the hell up, America. Wake up, Europe. Wake up, England. The left, Obama, the leaders of Europe, the leaders of England, mainstream media, in our case here in America, across the pond, Republican leadership, Democrat leadership, have and sell, have sold us out. It's time for America to take a stand on this. Now is the time for all good men and women to come to the aid of their country. You know, ladies and gentlemen of America, if you stop and think about it, they keep telling us, the mainstream media keeps telling us that Donald Trump spoke out when he said, and spoke out wrongly when he said that he would like to shut the doors on refugees, Muslims coming into this country until such time they find out a way to vet them. That's exactly what he said. But they keep bringing up the mainstream media, Republicans, Democrats alike. They keep bringing up this thing that cannot be a religious test. Did you hear Obama say anything about Islam? Did you hear Obama say anything about Sharia law? Uh, Donald Trump said, we have to find a way to vet these people. We have to get ourselves straight on this. Until that time, he said, I would shut down Muslims coming to this country. And the whole world jumped on him for making that statement. Let me ask you this, folks. Let me ask you this, patriots, you moms and dads out there, you bro- all you brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, all you military veterans, people on active duty, I know you folks on active duty are fighting for the preservation of our country, America, are fighting for the preservation of the Western world. We know this, we who pay attention, but it seems like most Americans don't. Let me ask you this, America. Would you allow somebody in your house that the police department and the government told you that those people are dangerous and they would kill you the first time that you closed your eyes, the first time you turned your back? Would you let them in your house and with loving open arms, just hoping and praying that the government is wrong? Would you? Hell no, you wouldn't. But we're listening to our governments and our governments are saying, You've got to let these refugees in from Syria. You've got to let these Islamic Muslim people in. They're not going to hurt you. We already vetted them. We know who they are and they're lying through their teeth. If anybody watched that that, uh, committee on uh, television the other day, 
talking to that lady from the State Department about and the Immigration Department about how they go about vetting and how many people did this and what kind of vetting procedures did it. She didn't know anything. She could not answer any question. That's the way our government is. They will tell you what you want to hear just to make you feel good. And half or probably more than half of what you tell they tell us as the truth is nothing but lies, made-up stuff, just to keep the great masses, the great unwashed, shut up. Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, on the other hand, they don't pull any punches. They tell the American people how it is. They speak the truth. They call a spade a spade. And that's why the Republican Party and its leadership, that's why the media, including Fox News, is going after those two guys. You see, the media and the political uh, elitists in our country are of all of the same cut of cloth. They've got it pretty good. All they have to do is put on a few shows every night, call it the news, parade a few experts back and forth, and as Fox News News does, when they say that uh, we, we honor both sides, fair and balanced, BS! It's all window dressing. None of that's news except what is reported. The commentary that comes after that is all their ideology, all their way of thinking injected into it as part and bundled up and spin out to us as the news. Now you listen to all these people on Fox News. You listen to Martha McCallan. You listen to any of them. How many of them really ask questions when they have an expert in front of them? Every time Martha McCallum has an expert in front of him on any given subject, she makes statements about that uh, uh, subject. She hardly ever asks a question. The question comes at the end of her statement. You know, folks, like I said on my show Friday, words mean something. Words have impact. You can change a word two or three words in a sentence or in a paragraph and completely change the context of what that paragraph is talking about. The media is good at it. They inject their misinformation, disinformation, and propaganda into those paragraphs, into those uh, op-ed pieces, into that commentary they call the news, etc. And they change the whole the whole context of what they're talking about to suit what they want you and me to hear. And there isn't a a better way of spinning the truth into lies and lies into truth than what the media and the left and the right in, in Congress, the political cartel, have developed over the years. They are damn good at it. Damn good at it. But you know the day has finally arrived when the BS that is spewed out of the media's mouth, the BS that is spewed out of the political left or the political right, it doesn't resonate with we the people anymore. We finally caught on to them. We know what they're up to. Oh yeah, there's still those millions of people that are underinformed, under-educated, I don't give a damn people, who will follow anybody that hooks them and leads them by the nose. That's that 30, 35% I was talking about earlier in the show. But the rest of us have caught on. 
The rest of us are not buying into it anymore. And it scares the hell out of the Republican leadership. It scares the holy hell out of them. They can't control us anymore. Through the media, whatever. And you know, they go on and say, well, you know, if Donald Trump's Trump is uh, nominated to represent the Republican Party for the run-up to the White House, Hillary Clinton's going to win. They think that because they say if Donald Trump is the nominee for the Republican Party and Hillary Clinton's going to win, it's going to scare the hell out of those individuals that used to say, oh God, we can't have that, we can't have that. We've got to vote for whoever it is. I don't care who it is, a dog, cat, a monkey, whatever. I'll just hold my nose and vote Republican because I don't want Hillary in office. How many times have you heard that? How many times have you heard the Republican Party stand up in front of God and everybody and tell us, if you back that person or this person, the the, the Democrat person is going to get into office. How many times have you heard that? And how many times have you heard fellow Republicans say, I will vote for anybody, I don't care who it is, just as long as Hillary or Obama or whatever never doesn't get in office. That's why in the past, the Republican Party has never been able to move along. They came around and told us, just give us the House of Representatives and we will get things squared away. And we did and they didn't. Well, in 2014, just give us a Senate and by God, we'll get up there and we'll get Obamacare taken care of. We'll get all this taken care of. Just give us the Senate. We did and they didn't. This time, whatever comes out of their mouth, just give us the presidency. Someone that we like, Rubio or Jeb Bush or one of those dolts, we will we will have it all. Ain't buying into it anymore. Just not doing it. Your days of promises and not coming through with the goods is finished, Republican Party. You're done. You're cooked. You're out of here. You're toast. And I don't think, and I, honest to God, don't think it would take very much for a vast majority of the Republican Party base to absolutely leave it. Leave the Republican Party. There's always been talk in the past about a third party. Up popped the Tea Party. Tea Party had its own people. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, the Tea Party and all its do, uh, things that's done good for the people of, we the people of the United States, I think we need to go one step further. If by some reason they shut Obama, excuse me, shut uh, Donald Trump and shut out Mr. Ted Cruz out of the whole picture when it comes to running for president, if the Republican Party finds a way to push those two people out of the way and get their boy nominated, whether it be Bush or Rubio or one of these other guys, one of these other dolts, I think all bets are off. All bets are off with a conservative base. They might just start looking elsewhere. And if that happens, you will see the utter destruction, the utter downfall of the Republican Party. This is Gary Gatehouse, and we'll be back after a few short messages.
I had PTSD. Once I was back from Iraq, I was distant from everybody in my family. We had a reunion of our unit, and you'd hear these spouses say, is your husband doing that? My husband's doing that too. I thought it was just us. And really understanding that, hey, this is a common experience. I learned more to listen to what he was saying, and that made it easier for me to understand where his pain was coming from. Warriors should know that resources are available. Learn more at realwarriors.net. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Uh, thank you, darling. And you can listen to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show on freedominamericaradio.com Monday through Wednesday, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, there's a representative. His name is Steve King, and he's from the great state of Iowa. Representative Steve King, uh, Steve King uh, was being interviewed on MSNBC's Chris Hayes Show here a while back. And he made the statement, Representative Steve King made the statement, Jesus never ordered anyone to be killed, but Muhammad did. Now this all kind of reflects on what he was being interviewed about and talked about on MSNBC's Chris Hayes Show, who tried to argue that the man who shot three people at a Planned Parenthood office in Colorado was no different than the radical Islamist who slaughtered 14 people in California because the killers were following their religion. Steve King, Representative Steve King from Iowa, said it was it was not the same because Jesus never ordered anybody or any people to kill, but Muhammad did. Now this happened back on December ninth edition of MSNBC's All In with Chris Hayes, the host, and he said, "Why is this different? Why is this any different? You understandably, as a Christian, as someone of the faith, right? You look at what happened at Planned Parenthood and say that's not faith that I believe in." Representative King answered, "What Planned Parenthood is doing, aborting babies, is not the faith that I believe in. But Jesus never ordered anyone to kill," said King, and he never raised his hand to injure anyone specifically. But Muhammad did. There's a big difference in this," said the congressman. "There, those Muslims are radical, carrying out their traditions that are century old, dictated by the Quran." in the Islamic religion. Now, back on November 27th, Robert Deere went to a Planned Parenthood clinic, you remember this, in Colorado Springs, Colorado, where he allegedly shot and killed two civilians and one police officer. He has been charged with first-degree murder. On December 7th, Saeed Razin Farouk and his wife, Tashin Malik, targeted the San Bernardino County Department of Public Health, where they were celebrating Christmas dinner where they shot and killed 14 people and wounded 22 other people. Farouk and Malik were later killed in a shootout with police. Both terrorists had pledged allegiance to the Islamic Islamic State. You know, ladies and gentlemen, like I have harped on and I've talked about almost continuously on my shows, the mainstream media. The mainstream media. Where do they get their training? Where do they get their expertise? Where do they get all the information and uh, training, etc., and education on how to be a journalist, a TV or radio or uh, a print matter journalist? From our colleges. Our colleges are to the hilt stocked with 
communist, socialist, Marxist, progressive, heathen, secularist professors. So what are these kids that go into journalism school and come out? Where do they come out with these ideas, just like this guy that we just talked about? Where do they get these ideas from? They get them from our school system. They get them from those professors who hate America, do everything they can to uh, corrupt our kids and teaching them everything that they say is wrong with America and corrupt them to the point of indoctrination. Yet our parents or your parents, or my parents, or parents in general, continue to send their children to these indoctrination clinics. One thing I've tried to make one of my missions on my radio show from day one, 2007, until present day, is shining the light of truth on our public school system, the people who operate it, the curriculums, the ideology that they are pushing, the indoctrination tactics they use. And it seems like every time I talk about the National Education Association, the largest union in the United States, they're the ones that are the change agents. They're the ones that call themselves teachers. They are the ones that are conducting the indoctrination at grade school level, high school level, and college and graduate school, it seems to me that people have no interest in hearing the ins and outs, the history of what they stand for, etc., the National Education Association, our public school system, who owns and operates them, who is always constantly asking for money to be included in whatever bill that we bring up in front of Congress. It's the Democrats. They know that they are getting the word out uh, and into the public school system via the NEA to indoctrinate future generations to come up and be absolute secularist. I call them heathens who don't believe in God, don't believe in America, believe in uh, countries with no borders, believe in one world government, believe believe in the United Nations, and believe in the way of the Democrat Party. You know, ladies and gentlemen, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. I guess that's the final uh, line on this. I'm just about giving up trying to shine the light of truth on the NEA because I absolutely don't get any response from anybody in a positive or negative on it. It's like they just don't give a damn about what their kids are being taught. You know, you parents out there ought to take the time to sit down and look at your children's school books and just have a look at what they're being taught. Have a look at their curriculums. Have a look at the uh, narratives and and, uh, what people are saying in this curriculum that your kid or my kid might be taught. and, and, And what they're saying is the truth and not the truth. See how much real, true history is in their books. Very little. Very little. And we have Common Core now, all signed on by and pushed by the United Nations, pushed by the left, pushed by a whole bunch of people in the Republican Party, including such people as Mike Huckabee and Jeb Bush and Rubio and all of them. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I've said it once, if I haven't said it a million times. The easiest way to take over a nation. It'll take a little bit of time. But the easiest way to take over a a nation is take over the school system. Inject your ideology into the curriculum. 
inject your ideology in the teachers as they go through the colleges and become teachers and then put them in the schools and teach that ideology. Teach that doctrine. It's being taught in our schools right now. Socialism. Hate America. There is no God. You should not give allegiance to anybody, including the country you're in. We should not have any borders. We should believe in the United Nations. We should believe in a one-world government. Blah, 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 blah. That's what's being taught in our schools. In some schools, it might be very subtle. In other schools, they might be, I don't know, out there for everybody to see, in your face, if you will, because they know the parents won't stand up and complain about it or do something about it. Every parent that knows this type of stuff is going on in their school, their grade school, their high school, or in the college that they're paying out the ear to send little Billy or little Mary to, they ought to be knocking on the principal or the administrator's door and telling us, let us in. We want to see everything you're doing here. We're paying for it. But America, not all of us, but most of us, I'm afraid have turned into a land, a population of people, using the term sheeple would be a good description. Americans today, in political correctness, has them by the throat. They're afraid to speak up even about little things. You know, back when my mom and dad were trying to get out of their depression, as soon as they got out of that, not too later after that, my father found himself along with other millions of men fighting a world war to, to protect what they'd been suffering under for many years. A depression and no money and no economy. But they did it because they loved their country and they had a belief in their country and they were hard-nosed individuals that didn't take crap from anybody and if you said anything about their kids in the school, out of the school, or you were teaching them something that they didn't believe in, by God, they were down at the schoolhouse. I seen it firsthand when I was a kid growing up. But not anymore. Not anymore. Parents are too busy. Parents are too engulfed with their own uh, lifestyles, too uh, hamstrung by p political correctness to stand up even for their children. This is Gary Gatehouse with the Gary Gatehouse Monday edition, Blue Monday. I'd like to give a shout out to all my listeners up there on Twitter. I'd like to give a shout out to all my listeners on Rebooting Liberty Radio Network. I hope you're having a great day wherever you're at in God's big, beautiful world. Fantastic day down here in South Texas. I'm getting ready to get the old hot rod fired up and go down and have some exhaust work done on it. A lot of work to be done before the new uh, cruise ends and uh, car shows kick in right around, oh, I don't know, February. That's when it all happens down here and all of us gearheads get our cars out and start showing them off again. I just love to do that. But that's just one of the many different things Gary Gatehouse loves to do. I love photography. Every once in a while, I'll post some of the photography and pictures I've taken of wildlife down here in South Texas. I think I'm going to start pu uh, publishing some and putting some up on my uh, radio homepage for all you folks to have a look at. Until here recently, 
I didn't have the time to do that, but again, I've got back into it in earnest, and I've really got some pretty pictures. Landscapes, pictures of butterflies, pictures of all kinds of deer and stuff, and I, I like I said, I thoroughly enjoy that. Just another escape to get out of the, oh, I don't know, the humdrum way of just uh, Monday through Friday type stuff, you know. Listen, we'll be back after the on the hour five minute news. It's coming up. In second half, we're going to have a, a lot to talk about when it comes to, to talking about Muslims. We're going to be talking about Mr. Dick Durbin and how he perceives his Catholicism and how he doesn't perceive it. We'll be back after the five minute news. Stand by. You are listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Gary will be back after the Fox 5 Minute News break. I'm Richard Johnson. Some new numbers and tough words in the race for the Republican presidential nomination. Senator Ted Cruz has passed Donald Trump as Iowans' preference for the Republican nomination. The 28% for Cruz tops Trump by two percentage points. Speaking about Cruz, Trump told Fox News Sunday's Chris Wallace... I don't think he's qualified to be president. Trump said his demeanor in Congress would be his downfall. Look at the way he's dealt with the Senate, where he goes in there like a... You know, frankly, like a little bit of a maniac. You're never going to get things done that way. Cruz's rise also reflected in a new Des Moines Register poll that has the Texas senator up by 10 points over Trump, who is still the national frontrunner. Grinnell Scott, Fox News. President Obama is going to visit the Pentagon and the National Counterterrorism Center this week as he spends more time explaining his administration's terror-fighting plan. This in the wake of last Sunday's Oval Office address, which critics say failed to do much to reassure us. The FBI isn't saying what divers might have found at a lake near San Bernardino, California over the weekend. Agents were there after hearing that the husband-wife shooters who killed 14 people were at that lake the day of the shootings. Agents wrapped up their three-day search of the lake on Saturday. The Carolina Panthers remain the NFL's only unbeaten team after beating Atlanta Sunday and maintaining the mantra voiced by quarterback Cam Newton. Start fast, extremely fast. And uh, don't 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 ease up off the gas. The NFC's other division winners, Washington, Green Bay, and Arizona, all won. Three of the four AFC division leaders, the Bengals, Texans, and Broncos, lost. Only the Patriots won. Down day for most Asian stock markets as investors wait to see what the U.S. Federal Reserve will do about interest rates. Tokyo's Nikkei average lost nearly 2% in Monday trading. The Hang Seng was down by nearly 1%. You're listening to Fox News Radio. Fair balance. Chris, can you put the video game controller down for a second? I can talk and play. Oh, I'm totally annihilating this punk kid in Nebraska. I just feel like you're not acting like a grown-up in our relationship. M2, M2. Well, you know, you still ride your skateboard to work. There's the comic book collection, the race car bed. Look, I'm young at heart, but I put money to my 401k every paycheck. I picked up a few savings tips at feedthepig.org. I have control over my financial life now, and that feels pretty grown up. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. For free ideas and easy tips on ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. So, I bet I look like a grown up to you now. Well, except for the footy pajamas, I'd have to agree. 
This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Anticipation on Wall Street ahead of a huge meeting by the Federal Reserve. Details on that and other developments this coming week from Fox Business Network's Brenda Butner. This week, moves on Wall Street will likely be fed by the Fed. It is expected that the Federal Reserve at its midweek December meeting will raise interest rates for the first time in nearly a decade. Forecasts are that the central bank will announce Wednesday afternoon a small rate hike of a quarter percent. Rates have been at near zero since 2008 in the worst time of the financial crisis. Other economic numbers out this week, the Consumer Price Index and a report on housing starts. Of course, Wall Street will be watching its own numbers, too. The major averages all down more than 3 percent last week as the price of oil plunged 10 percent. Brenda Butner, Fox News. If you're a Taylor Swift fan, here's a holiday treat. When Taylor Swift performed in Sydney, Australia last month, 76,000 fans were there. And later this month, that stadium show will be available for free, exclusively to Swifties who use the streaming platform Apple Music. The live concert special from the singer's star-studded 1989 world tour will be released on December 20th. It'll also include appearances from celebrities and musicians like Mick Jagger and Justin Timberlake, who surprised fans on the tour. Pam Puso, Fox News. And some other Taylor Swift news. The book publisher Simon & Schuster is coming out with a book on Taylor Swift that's the product of crowdsourcing. The publisher's holding a contest to come up with a name for the book, which will be large and have the feel of a scrapbook. Another contest will come up with a designer for the cover. A third contest has the ultimate prize. One lucky Taylor Swift fan will be named honorary author of the book. Oh, and there's $10,000 with it as well. I'm Richard Young, Fox News Radio. Restoration Media UK are proud to present the secret agent man, Gary Gatehouse. Here, a new listener. Hey, this ain't your little sister's radio station. Welcome back and welcome to all my listeners over there in Europe, over there in the UK. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Blue Monday Edition. Time to climb on board the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show Love Train. Club cars to the right. Now, you folks, when you get down to the club car, take it easy on that beer, okay? we got a long way to go, a lot of places to go, a lot of ground to cover this second hour. you got to be sober so you can understand what Gary's reporting, okay? <laughs> Hope you're all having a great day wherever you're at in God's big, beautiful world. It's a fantastic day down here in South Texas. Shiny blue skies, about 70 degrees. Can't complain one bit. Patriots, I would rather catch hell for what I'm saying now than go to hell for not saying it at all. You know, I used to say that a lot on my shows, and somewhere along the line, I stopped using that little uh, little uh, phrase I put together, kind of describing myself and the Gary Gatehouse radio show, where we're coming from as far as what we talk about, what we expose, what we try to do as far as getting the word out to the American people, to my listeners. And uh, 
One of the things that I believe that I've done well on, and I had to pat myself on the back, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'll do it. I have got the word out to the American people on things that I thought and I think impact on you as Americans, as patriots, as family members, as um, head of the family, your children, and your country. And I take pride in that. I really do take pride in that. And I enjoy talking to you through my microphone. Of course, I can't see you. I've never met you. But I still think I know you. I'm talking about my listeners. I think I know where you're coming from. You and I are on the same page. Now, a few years back, a couple of years, as a matter of fact, the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show blog, yes, I do have a blog as well, we warned American people about the consequences of our government for not shutting down our southern border. And now I'm sad to, to report what the government has failed to do when, when they should have done it way back when, shutting the border down and taking all those individuals that invaded our house, our home, America, illegally, brought their kids with them, their, their, and most of all, they brought their third world diseases with them. And I warned America about that well over two years ago. And I wrote a blog and I posted that blog everywhere. I talked about it on my show numerous times. Well, i got to say this. And I say it by emphasizing warning, warning, warning. December 10th, 2015. Third world disease now rearing its ugly head here in the homeland. Once again. And like I said, patriots, I warned my listeners, I warned you all about this, that it was coming. It was here. A hazardous insect from Latin America known as the Tritomian bug or kissing bug has found its way to more than half the United States, serving as a reminder that a porous border lets in more than just human beings. We have a border security problem, no question about that. We all know that. And part of the border security problem is a significant health problem. This was reported by a Dr. Lee Heeb, H-E-I-B, an orthopedic surgeon and past president of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. Now this bug, the kissing bug as it's called, has been known to carry a parasite that causes Changus disease which can be fatal if left untreated. Now, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says there are currently about 300,000 cases of Changus in the United States of America, our country. But most of those folks, those people, were infected in Latin America, illegals who our government allowed to come to our country and not only allowed them to come to our country, they bust them around and placed them in all parts of, of the United States, put them on welfare, paid for their health, paid for their education, etc., etc., etc. We know the scenario. Now there's a doctor. Her name is Dr. Jane Orient, Executive Director of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. 
She made a connection between the large immigrate influx from Latin America and the appearance of tritatamine bug in 28 different states here in America. She said, I think that if we have a lot more people coming from epidemic areas into the United States and they're not being screened for this and they're going to to an area where there's the vector, then the chances are that this disease will be spreading more and more inside the United States, she told WND News. Haib, author of Surviving the Medical Meltdown, Your Guide to Living Through the Disaster of Obamacare, agreed with her, agreed with her fellow doctor, that a lack of screening for Changus is a problem. She asserted it's necessary to intercept border crossers who may spread Changus to protect the public health. We're unwilling to stop illegals who are bringing their, this disease across. So I guess I would say that's the big lesson here. That they should be, shouldn't be surprised until they stop the source. It's not going to go away, the doctor said. Now, Dr. Heeb, who has criticized vaccines in the past, added, It's ironic that we're more worried about vaccinating Americans than we are about looking at the root cause of these diseases coming through our borders. You know, ladies and gentlemen of America, you can lay this directly at the feet of the Democrat Party, the Republican Party, and Obama. They all, the whole mess of them, inside the Beltway elitists, the Congressional cartel, and the White House refuse to shut our border down. They refuse to stop allowing this porous southern border, allowing so many illegals by the thousands coming into our country. They don't care. They don't care. As the Democrat Party looks at it, they're looking at future board of voters, ladies and gentlemen. They have turned their back on America. They have told us to go get screwed. They're more interested in illegals and what they can bring to the table. Votes. Votes. They don't care about diseases. You're talking about HIV. You're talking about tuberculosis. You're talking about changus. You're talking about leprosy. You're talking about whooping cough. You're talking about polio. And it goes on and on and on. Diseases that we eradicated are now back on the scene. Where did they come from? They came from south of the border, from third world trash that our government allowed into our country. It's your congressman, your senator, whatever state you're from. It's your president. If you claim Obama is your president, that has allowed this. They have put a pox on the American people. They don't care about us. It's pretty evident, isn't it? They allow this third world trash into our country. They come across the border at their will. The government's waiting for them to give them clothes, food, transportation. They take them and deposit them in our cities and towns and hamlets all across the United States. Then they step up, I'm saying the government, and say, you're going to pay for all this through your tax dollars. You're going to pay for their education. You're going to pay for their housing. You're going to pay for their welfare, the birth of their babies, and on and on and on. Plus, on top of that, they know this is going down as far as health and all the diseases coming across our border, and they don't give a damn. Would you agree with me or not, America? 
Would you agree with me that our Congress and the White House don't give a damn about America? They don't give a damn about the southern border. They want to bring more people in from the Middle East. Syria can't vet them. They feed us a line of BS saying they can and they can't. What the hell is it, America? Who are we? Chop liver or something? We're the people that own this country. We occupy it. We were born here. Our ancestors built this country. Are we going to allow the congressional cartel and the damn guy in the White House to undermine, what up, and destroy America, our kids, our families? Better speak up, America. You had better speak up. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show on freedominamericaradio.com You gotta take care of Texas It's the only one we got If you're way up in Lubbock or down in Lucumbach You gotta conserve water Keep the air clean Take care of Texas Don't you know what I mean, y'all? Kevin Fowler here Texans take great pride in keeping our air clean. Visit TakeCareOfTexas.org and take the pledge to help keep it that way. We'll send you a free Texas State Park Guide. You gotta take care of Texas. It's the only one we got. Sponsored by the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality. More than 2 million Americans have served in Iraq and Afghanistan, and the Department of Veterans Affairs reports that approximately 11 to 20 percent of those warriors may have experienced symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. As we recognize PTSD Awareness Month, Real Warriors campaign volunteer Meg Mitchum, a former Army combat medic who served in Iraq, encourages fellow warriors to reach out when they need help. The hardest step was admitting that I needed help coping with PTSD. Once I did, my command and unit fully supported me, and I was able to get the care I needed. Getting support helped me succeed in the military and now in my civilian career. If you or a loved one is coping with an invisible wound, resources are available and they work. For more information, visit the Real Warriors campaign at realwarriors.net or call 866-966-1020. Coming up next is the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show Intelligence Report. Stay tuned. You know, Patriots, with all of the stuff that's going on worldwide, regarding Islam, regarding Muslims, regarding terrorist attacks on towns and cities in Europe, a recent one in San Bernardino, California, in our country. There are people out there, whether you know it or not, that are working diligently 24-7 to protect our country. They're not military folks for the most part. These folks are folks that are part of the National Security Agency, the Central Intelligence Agency, the Defense Intelligence Agency, all the military intelligence uh, sectors and and, uh, agencies. They work 24-7. They work mid-swings and days. They work shifts every day, 365, regardless if it's Christmas or whatever. And they're there for one reason, to intercept intelligence, perishable or otherwise, analyze it and get it to the people that can react to that intelligence, whether it be a a reaction uh, 
taking action against a, a, a known terrorist plot that's blooming or coming about, or whatever the case may be. These intelligence people, these intelligence officers, these intelligence agents, if you will, are a big part of protecting America. Now, a United States intelligence report says ISIS will spread worldwide unless defeated in Syria. That's kind of a scary headline, isn't it? Let me repeat it. The United States intelligence report says ISIS will spread worldwide unless defeated in Syria. Now, what is America doing today under the commander-in-chief or the commander-in-chump, as I call him, Barack Hussein Obama Jr., and his sidekick and director who has both ears, his brain, his mind, and other parts probably, Valerie Jarrett. What are they doing? They're dragging their feet. Incremental, little footsteps, little baby steps. They know what's really going on in Syria. They know what's going on in the Middle East. They know what's going on in our country. Our intelligence analysts, our intelligence collectors, our intelligence officers report it to them every damn day. Now we know that people have reported that Barack Hussein Obama Jr. doesn't pay much attention to intelligence reports. Now every president that I worked under when I was an intelligence operative, my agency reported to that president, wherever uh, mine started with John Kennedy through Bill Clinton. I hate to say that, but Bill Clinton. They were reported to every day by the intelligence community on what was going down in America in the rest of the world. An intelligence brief. And it's been reported that Obama doesn't even want to hear about this intelligence brief. There's been instances where he's gone two and three weeks without talking to the intelligence community. But I'm bringing to you an intelligence report that should scare the bejesus out of you, the American listener. Now this report was compiled by senior analyst in the United States intelligence community, and it warns, it warns, ladies and gentlemen, that the Islamic State, ISIS, will spread around the world unless it suffers significant territorial losses in Syria and Iraq. Full stop, period. Now, this eight-page report was commissioned supposedly by the White House and represents the combined Views of analysts from the Central Intelligence Agency, the Defense Intelligence Agency, the National Security Agency, and other members of the intelligence community. Now, according to this rag, but uh, uh, according to the Daily Beast, which revealed the existence of the report this last Sunday, the document is already spurring changes in how Washington is responding to the growth of the Islamic State. The group is also known as the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria, ISS. That's who we know it most by. Now, this reporter, Kim Dozier, said the report, which was commissioned prior to the Paris and San Bernardino attacks, offered an admission that the efforts by the United States, Russia, and other countries to thwart the growth of ISIS has failed miserably. Now, over 60 nations are 
so far involved in broad efforts to destroy the Islamic group. But, you know, that that 60-nation coalition, there's only probably 10 or 15 active nations in it. The rest of them are just, uh, I don't know, bystanders. Over 60 nations are so far involved in broad, broad efforts to destroy Islamist groups, mostly through air raids, material support for local militaries and militias. The U.S. has deployed over 3,500 troops, including special forces, in the area. But this has done little, very little, if nothing at all, to stop ISIS, which is believed by now to have attracted over 30,000 foreign recruits in the last 18 months alone. Now, Dozier said that after Obama was given the intelligence report by the Office of Director of National Intelligence, ODNI, Obama asked his senior advisors to come up with new options to defeat ISIS. These efforts are currently being led by Secretary of Defense Ash Carter and Marine General Joseph Dunford, who is chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. One of the first decisions taken by the White House in response to the ODNI report was the deployment of 200, 200 special forces on the ground in Iraq and Syria. See what I mean? See how, look at the responses that Obama uh, lets go. He puts forward 200 special force guys. Now, I know special force guys. I served with them. There's some mean hombres. But ladies and gentlemen, they can only do so much. 200? If we had 20,000 of them, maybe. But the group is believed to be conducting raids in association with local militias that are fighting ISIS. I'm talking about special forces. Now, the Daily Beast goes on to report, and it said it spoke to a spokesman for the ODNI who confirmed the existence of the intelligence report but refused to elaborate. Representatives from the White House and the U.S. State Department of Defense refused to comment on the subject. Well, I can understand that. They like to keep a low profile when things like this are going on. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, this inc- incremental response by Hussein, Barack Hussein Obama Jr., just isn't going to cut it. This special report by the ODNI, which said if we do not defeat ISIS in Iraq and Syria, it's, it's a lost cause. It's a lost cause. They're going to go worldwide Worldwide, ladies and gentlemen, do you know what that means? They're already attacking Europe. They're already attacking America. They're already doing terrorist attacks throughout the world. Just how much worldwide will it be? And what will they, what more will they bring to the table? And how will Obama respond to it? Now, in another report, intelligence report, now, by the way, All my intelligence reports are gleaned from open source material. Some from people that, uh, well, I won't say that. Some uh, of it is from some other sources that Gary Gatehouse knows about. And these intelligence reports come to you reported by me, a retired 31-year-plus senior intelligence operative that served my country in Middle East, the Far East, and Europe. So I've been around the block. I've been and done all different various aspects of 
the intelligence that uh, from the raw material to the finished product to analysis to projects, you name it, I've been involved in one way or another as an intelligence operative collector. Second report says German spy agency says Saudi Arabia is source of regional instability. Now, this is a report by German's primary intelligence agency, and it warns that internal power struggles and broader geopolitical changes are turning the kingdom of Saudi Arabia into a major source of regional instability. The report was produced by the German Federal Intelligence Service, the BND, and is entitled Saudi Arabia a Sunni regional power torn between a shift in foreign policy and domestic policy and power uh, consolidation. It explains the energy-rich kingdom's new forceful approach to regional problems as the outcome of both domestic and external factors. On the domestic scene, the BND report connects the changes in Saudi Arabia's regional stance with an unfolding power struggle between two factions inside the country's royal family. On the one side is a traditionalist faction, led by King Solomon, who was enthroned in January of this year following the death of his predecessor, King Abdullah. This faction is being challenged by a group of royal family members, led by Deputy Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman who currently serves as the country's Minister of Defense. Now, according to the report, ladies and gentlemen, according to the report, Prince Mohammed, who is the second in line to the throne, is trying to solidify his position in the royal succession by promoting a more radical and militarized foreign policy. This says the, the uh, German intelligence agency can be seen in Saudi Arabia's ongoing military intervention in Yemen, as well as in its highly interventionist policy in support of anti-government rebels in Syria. You know, ladies and gentlemen, in my career of 30 plus years, I spent a lot of time in the Middle East. I spent a lot of time in Pakistan, Spent a lot of time up around the, the great frontier, they called it, in, in Peshawar and north of Peshawar. I spent a lot of time in Afghanistan, in the Kabul area, and up in the Hindu Kush Mountains. And I spent a lot of time with different intel people while I was over there. Spent time in Libya, spent time in Saudi Arabia, spent time in Iran. You know, folks, when you talk about Saudi Arabia, and you talk about the, all the billions and billions of dollars we've poured into oil-rich Saudi Arabia. All the technology and training and expertise we've afforded them and gave them. They still can't stand on their own two feet. They still can't find their ass with both hands over there. They're ran by a royal family, which is corrupt. They're ran by Islam, the Koran. They're ran by madrasas, which pe- preach hate to America. And yet we still call them our allies. I guess because that's no other, we have no other place to go. They, there are allies on paper anyway. And they do allow us to use their bases that we built, of course, 
and stocked, of course. Oh, we sold them fighter jets. We sold them all the expertise. We brought their pilots to the United States and trained them in all the different air-to-air tactics in combat flight, etc., etc. We'd done all that for them. And yet, when we have all of this going down right now with these Syrian so-called refugees... And you would think Obama, being the President of the United States, would go to Saudi Arabia and remind them of all the help America and all the treasure and money we have given them over the decades. Can you please take some of these Syrians? Can you house them in all those hundreds of thousands of empty air-conditioned tents that you have out there? What do you say, Saudi Arabia? Can you do it? I doubt if he's even asked them. And if he did or anybody representing our government did, it would fall on deaf ears. You know, it kind of reminds me of here in America, when we have a certain class of people, uh, liberals if you will, if it's my way or the highway, it's fine. But if you go against the grain and you speak out against them, they don't want to hear it. If you talk about all the ins and outs of government and America and what we stand for, etc., as long as what we're saying in the confines of liberalism about our country and about what we should do and shouldn't do, it's okay. But when you get out in the real world and talk about things that we should do, the reality of any given situation or issue that doesn't fall within the context of belief, their ideology, except, etc., etc., of liberalism, they don't want to hear it. It's the same way with Saudi Arabia. It's the same way with the leaders all over the world, actually. They can put their hands out 24-7 and say, America agrees our palms with your money, your expertise, your technology, etc. But when it comes time, when it comes push to shove, and we ask them to help us, there's only a handful of countries that do. And they all come from Europe. And probably our greatest ally is England. Great Britain, the UK. They are probably our greatest ally. France? Yeah, I guess so. But when you talk about allies in the Middle East, like I've said many times, ladies and gentlemen, you can sit down and talk to a head of state from any Middle Eastern country you want and tell him what's going on, tell him what you would like to have happen, ask for help, and they will look at you with a smile on their face and they will agree with everything you say. Because you see in the Quran it says, Muslims can lie if it furthers the cause of Islam. Muslims are accomplished liars, and they've been able to do it for centuries. Lie with a straight face. I don't trust any of them. This is Gary Gatehouse, and we'll be back after a few short messages. You are listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. One in 33 babies is born with a birth defect, but mothers-to-be can help give their babies a healthy start. This is registered dietitian Melissa Joy Dobbins for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics with your Eating Right Minute. There are some simple steps women can take to prepare for a healthy pregnancy. Take 400 micrograms of folic acid each day. Don't smoke or drink alcohol. And talk to your doctor about any vaccines or medications you take. 
maintain a healthy weight gain during pregnancy, and if you have diabetes, keep it under control. Remember, make regular visits to see your healthcare professional. For help choosing foods during your pregnancy and after baby is born, see a registered dietitian. Encouraging you to eat right, I'm registered dietitian Melissa Joy Dobbins with the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Hi, I'm Charlie. I fight fires and I save lives. My name's Renee. I'm a cardiologist. I save lives. My name's Anthony. I'm an EMT. I save lives. You don't have to be a professional to save a life. Firefighters, doctors, and others save lives. You can too. Don't wait. To learn more about the warning signs and how you can help prevent suicide, visit save.org. In a crisis, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. Well, welcome back, fellow patriots. Uh, Living in America Today 2015. Yeah. got a question for you just what do you think about congress what do you think about that great institution called congress what do you think about the people who occupy the seats within the house of representatives and the senate do you look at upon them favorably unfavorably you don't care you don't have time who cares they don't they don't listen to us anyway how do you feel about them How do you feel about when somebody like, say, oh, I don't know, Senator Durbin from Illinois, a Democrat, comes out and makes a statement and says many members who posed with the Pope are ignoring his immigration message? That's Senator Durbin. That's his uh, statement he made a few days ago. He accused his fellow members of Congress who posed for photos with Pope Francis, not heeding the pontiff's message and voting to make it more difficult for Syrian refugees to enter the U.S. He's trying to lay a guilt trip at the feet of these people. He goes on to say, sadly, many of the people who were posing for holy pictures that day forgot his message, forgot his message, forgot his message. Remember that little line, forgot his message. Those were the words uttered by Senator Dick Durbin of Illinois, Democrat. I'll repeat, sadly, many of the people who were posing for holy pictures that day forgot his message when it came to this joint session of Congress in this past September, Durbin said Tuesday at a press conference in Washington, D.C., the District of Corruption. He goes on to say it's a message to remind us that we are a nation of immigrants, as his nation was a nation of immigrants, and that part of our responsibility is to welcome the stranger, Durbin says, Many of the same people who posed for those pictures with the Pope were quick to vote just a few weeks ago to shun refugees seeking refuge in the United States of America. But he says the good news is that many of those who voted in the House just a few weeks ago to shun those refugees are now publicly recanting on both sides of the aisle, both Republicans and Communist Democrats. Mr. Dick Durbin goes on and says, we can keep America safe 
and we can keep our values safe. I'll repeat that. He said we can keep America safe and we can keep our values safe by receiving and accepting these refugees, he concluded. Now joining uh, Mr. Dick Durbin, the man from Illinois, Joining Dick Durbin at this press conference was Cardinal Theodore McCarrick, Archbishop of Washington, Senator Patrick, Patrick never had a classified document that I tried my damnedest to leak, Leahy, Democrat from Vermont, and Senator Tim Kaine, Democrat from Virginia, in addition to several Muslim and Protestant religious leaders. Several Muslim and Protestant religious leaders joined Mr. Dick Durbin, Senator Durbin, at a press conference that included Cardinal Theodore McCarrick, a Catholic cardinal, Archbishop of Washington, D.C., the District of Corruption, Senator Pat Leahy, Democrat from Vermont, and Senator Tim Kaine, Democrat from Virginia. Now, Cardinal Theodore McCarrick expressed a strong faith in the security of Americans' refugee vetting process. I'm sure he uh, has observed it firsthand. I'm sure he has probably even directed some of the people that the Catholic Church has picked up here in the United States. Now, just remember, when you bring your ancestors over, remember when you bring your people over from your country in the Middle East, remember there will be a vetting process. It will be very demanding. And remember when they ask you questions such as, are you a, are you a terrorist or do you plan to carry uh, out terrorist uh, 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 attacks in the United States? Remember you are bound to tell the truth. Comes from the mouth of McCarrick? Probably so. The United States has the most secure refugee resettlement process in the world, the Cardinal said. Refugees are the most scrutinized and screened individuals to enter the United States. Cardinal McCarrick, you're talking out of your backside, buddy. Have you been paying attention to what all those people that were brought up on the Hill to face different uh, committees talking about refugees, talking about the process they go through, the vetting process. These people didn't know nothing. They couldn't give any answers. They had no idea. Have you checked the the lady that got through the States on a K-7 visa and then proceeded along with her Muslim Islamic praying husband to murder 14 fellow Americans? They got through the process. No problem. But McCarrick says there's absolutely no reason to stop or pause the resettlement of Syrian refugees. The fear around this is wrong, and as people of faith, we must demand more from our public officials. How about we demand more from our people of the cloth? How about that, Cardinal? Now, Senator Leahy, he agreed And he said accepting refugees is part of our history, our culture, of who we are. How many damn times does the Democrat Party have to buy into those words that Obama uses at every chance he gets of who we are? 
And Leahy goes on to say, and bringing these people in can be done safely with the proper screening and procedures. If we respond by closing our doors, all we do is give help to our enemies. Mr. Leahy, you along with the Cardinal are talking out of your backside. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. He goes on to say, however, their confidence in the ability of U.S. authorities to adequately vet refugees from the Middle East flies in the face of Federal Bureau of Investigation Director James Comey's congressional testimony last October on the danger of ISIS infiltrating refugees from Syria. Mr. Comey says we do see a risk. We can query our database until the cows come home, but you can only query what you have collected. Comey said the vetting process has improved dramatically, but admitted that a number of people who were of serious concern managed to slip through with Iraq war refugees. He added that Syrians are even harder to vet because U.S. troops were not in the area investigating locals as they did in Iraq. Now, the Secretary of Homeland Security, a puppet of Barack Obama, Jay Johnson, he agreed. He agreed. We know that organizations such as ISIL might like to try to exploit this program. He said, it is true that we're not going to know a whole lot about Syrians that come forth in this process. That definitely is a challenge. That definitely is a challenge. You know, ladies and gentlemen of America, when you talk about these leaders, so-called leaders, when you talk about them and what they hate, what they say, and what they can't, what they say they can do and can't do, how much faith do you really put into their their words? How much faith do you really put into what they say the American government can do to protect us? I don't put much faith in it at all. I'm a firm believer. We the people are on our own. Now to get back to Senator Durbin talking about those people that posed with the, with the uh, Pope and didn't stand up for the refugees and didn't they did took full advantage of posing with uh, the Pope out of Rome, took full advantage of photo ops, etc., etc., but he more or less said, because your faith is there, you didn't follow through on letting refugees or voting the right way for refugees. Let me give you some statistics. Of the 234 Democrats in Congress, 83, about 36%, identify themselves as Catholic. How rare are pro-life Democrats in Congress? Well, Democrats for Life of America, DFLA, the preeminent national organization for pro-life Democrats has endorsed, endorsed just five of the 234 Democrats in the new Congress. Remember what I said. Of the 234 Democrats in Congress, 83, about 36%, identify themselves as, Cong as Catholics. But only five have signed on to pro-life movement, pro-life Democrat movement. That is just five men. That's right. Senator Bob Casey, Pennsylvania. Senator Joe Minchin, West Virginia. Senator Joe Donnelly, Indiana. Representative Dan Lemsky, Illinois. And Representative Colin Peterson, Minnesota. 
they are sufficiently pro-life to earn an endorsement from their own party's pro-life wing. Five. Five. For those who care about the defense of human life, regardless of party, this is bad news. Now, let's get to Senator Durbin, who once again, let me remind you once again, said all those Democrat senators and congressmen who posed with the Pope, his holy eminence, the, the Pope of the Catholic Church, and used them for photo ops, political gain, whatever, they should be ashamed of themselves. That's what uh, Durbin more or less said. Now, Senator Durbin, being a supporter of abortion, and the fact that the Catholic Church is 100% against abortion, Senator Dick Durbin is not permitted to receive Holy Communion. He's a Catholic. He's not permitted to receive Holy Communion under the law of the Catholic Church. This is according to Bishop Thomas J. Proposka, who heads the, the Diocese of Springfield, Illinois, in which Durbin is a member of. That's his hometown. Now, the bishop affirmed this point concerning Durbin, who supports abortion in a post at the blog Renew America by Matt C. Abbott on April 3rd and confirmed it separately on cnsnews.com on April 4th. The bishop, in a recent letter to an Illinois pro-life activist, said, and I quote, Senator Durbin was informed several years ago by his pastor at Blessed Sacrament Parish here in Springfield that he was not permitted to receive Holy Communion per Canon 915 of the Code of Canon Law. My predecessor upheld that decision and it remains in effect. It is my understanding that the Senator is complying with that decision here in the Diocese the pastor of Blessed Sacrament Parish at the time Durbin was told not to present himself for communion was Reverend Kevin Van, now the bishop for the Diocese of Orange, California. What I'm trying to say here, ladies and gentlemen, you have a senator, Senator Durbin from Illinois, and he is about as two-faced as you can get, just like most of the Democrats in Congress. Nancy Pelosi, another Catholic, made the statement, what I believe in public and say in public and what I support doesn't stick with me or doesn't necessarily mean what I believe in private. She was talking about abortion. You can't have it both ways, Nancy. You can't have it both ways, Mr. Durbin. Mr. Durbin was shut down by the Catholic Church for being an abortionist, for supporting abortion. Yet he goes after people who posed with the Pope to, to further their political cause, whatever, their political careers, whatever, and tries to shame them and the American people for not voting for refugees from Syria coming into this country based on what the Pope and the Catholic Church said. What he said and how he went about it holds no water whatsoever. When you understand that he is a Catholic. And the Catholic Church says under no way, shape, or form is abortion believed in or uh, signed on to by the Catholic Church and its doctrine. Anybody that supports it cannot receive communion. And that is a big part of being a Catholic, receiving the sacrament of communion. 
the Pope and the Catholic Church and the diocese in which Durban live in say you can't have it. You can't come to church. You cannot receive the communion because you support abortion. Yet he stands up in front of God and everybody with no shame, no moral compass, and points the finger at fellow congressmen and senators and the American people, and then points at the Pope and says, that man said that we must uh, let refugees in, Syrians. It's beyond. It's on our backs and it's on our moral compass to do so because we are good Christian people. I'm a good Catholic. No, you're not. No, you're not. You support abortion just like your friend Nancy Pelosi does. Neither one of you are good Catholics. According to Catholic law, you're not good Catholics. You know, folks, this is about as two-faced as you can get, but what do you expect coming out of the Congress? What do you expect coming out of the mouths of Dick Turbin, who supports Muslims, this long, uh, this is, this like his boss up there in the White House, this like the Democrat Party and the leadership in the Republican Party. They all support these Muslim Islamic people that have no business in our country. No business in our country. I side with Donald Trump on this. Shut down all Muslims coming into this country, except ones who have already been vetted to the 15th level. Shut them down. Don't let them in. Until we develop a vetting process that is that is safe beyond approach. And I think... Based on that, Muslims will never come in this country because our government has refused to shut down our borders on the south of the south side of our country, the southern borders. They allow people to come carte blanche into our country by the thousands. They can't come up with any idea to stop the flow. As a matter of fact, they encourage it. How in the hell does any American expect the government of the United States of America to come up with a plan to vet people from Syria they have no documents whatsoever on, no databases on. How are they going to do it? And even if they did, would you still believe that the government, when they come in front and stand in front of the television screen and say, we've finally developed a plan on vetting these people, it's, it's bulletproof, we can let them in now, will you still believe them? Will you believe them? The same people that can't even put a website up on to for Obamacare? The same people that spent billions of dollars to train five people to fight ISIS? You know, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to say it right now. And I'm sure a lot of you people will agree with me. The federal government is a joke. It is a joke. Those people up there have no concerns for you or me or our kids, future generations, the future of America. They have no cares whatsoever in the positive about we the people. They're too damn busy patting each other on the ass, telling each other across my comrade, my friend across the aisle, on how great they are. They're too busy scheming behind closed doors on how they can put together another statement or another program to hopefully hoodwink the American people, oh, I don't know, for a few years to garner more power over us. Do you really trust them? 
I think the polls have spoken. We don't trust them. We don't trust them, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Monday edition, Blue Monday. Coming to you from all over the world, man. I mean, tell you what, we're blasting 5 billion watts coming out of a radio station in London, England. I mean, they were picked up. That station was picked up. The Martians picked that up on Mars. I got an email the other day from Mike Martian. And after I deciphered it, it said, I listen to the Gary Gatehouse radio show every day on Restoration Radio International, on freedominamericaradio.com, in freedominamericaradio.us, on the GAL network from South Texas, and the Rebooting Liberty Radio network from Phoenix, Arizona. A bunker out there, hidden away in Arizona, blasting the truth, airways, over the internet. Gary Gatehouse, and the word is getting out. Even the Martians listen to us. We'll be right back. Well, looky here, a new listener. Hey, this ain't your little sister's radio station. This is Gary Gatehouse. Make sure you tune in to Restoration Radio International weekends to listen to the Gary Gatehouse radio shows back-to-back. Wow! Hey, this song's for all you young folks out there that are just chomping at the bit to make a life for yourself. Good on you. I hope you have a beautiful life, and I hope everything you do is on the up and up and shining with all of God's blessings. Yeah, I've been there before. It's got to get better. Yeah, I remember when I got married a long time ago. I was 21. My wife was 17. I was in the military. She was at home waiting for me to put that ring on her finger. Well, I took a couple of three-day passes back-to-back, got on that big bird, and I flew on out to her place. We got married, and off again we went back to Texas. Ten months later, I got orders to Vietnam. That was a sad day for the both of us. But being young, we took it in the chin and we got right back up. Found out that my wife, my bride, was pregnant with our first child. I was going to Vietnam, no way out of it. I couldn't get out of it. I accepted what God presented me and my family, my wife and my unborn baby daughter. At the time, I didn't know. I can still see her standing on the tarmac the day I got on that plane to fly out to the West Coast to go to Vietnam. It was a sad day for both of us. She looked so sad. Well, I got to Vietnam and it wasn't a oh, two or three weeks after I arrived in country that I got a note 
from the Red Cross. Sergeant Gatehouse, you're the proud father of a daughter. Wow. I knew then and there I had to find him any way and every way I could to keep myself alive to get back to my bride and my young baby daughter. And with the help and grace of God, I did just that. Make a long story short, many years after my baby daughter has grown up to have children of her own, my grandkids, we had a son. He grew up to be a fine young man, had children of his own, my grandkids. I'm a grandfather now, a Vietnam veteran, Texan, kind of a little bitty, oh, I don't know, radio host for the conservative cause. So all you young Turks out there, I haven't told you my whole life story, just a little segment of it, but you take it from Gary Gatehouse. Take it from me, all you young children of ages, oh, I don't know, 17 through 25, hang in there. When you're down and out, just keep on trucking. Time's on your side. And most of all, be free. I love every one of you out there. I love you, your kids. Every one of you. You're fantastic people. And I am so happy to be an American. I am so happy to have been able to serve my country. I'm so happy to be a father, a grandfather, the husband of a beautiful wife and children. God has truly blessed Gary Gatehouse. Stay free, stay happy. Say your prayers. Support your your country. God bless every one of you. And you parents out there that have sons or daughters in the military, you raised them right. Those folks out there that fathered sons and daughters and they seen them leave and I know how they cried to see their sons and daughters leave, to go to combat zones, whatever. God bless every one of you. I remember the day I left for the military. It was snowing. Something that didn't do, it didn't do that very often. But it was snowing. And I seen my mother and father standing at the railroad tracks beside the little station wagon that my dad used and drove. As the plane, as the train pulled by, I could see my mom out the window, crying her eyes out. Her son Gary was leaving. Was leaving the nest, leaving the country. You know, ladies and gentlemen, all of us have stories like I just kind of went over during the song. We're all Americans. Regardless if you're Democrat, Republican, Independent. But right now, December of 2015, we all have got to come together. 
we've got to identify those who are standing with us and those who are not. And we must support those who are standing with us. I'm talking about those people in Congress. I'm talking about those people who are running for the White House. I'm talking about sincere, honest patriots who speak their mind, call a spade a spade, and are actually on our side, in our side of the court. Now, before I go talking about those types of individuals, and I've said it and I'll reiterate it again, in my mind's eye, in my mind, there are three individuals running for the nomination on the Republican side to run for the House, the White House. Mr. Donald Trump, Mr. Ted Cruz, and to a lesser extent, Mr. Ben Carson. Those are the only three that I support. All three are outsiders. They're not status quo people. They understand what America is. They understand what America has given back to them. They understand the freedoms in which they operate in. That has afforded them, like Donald Trump, to amass billions of dollars. He's admitted that. Nowhere else in the world could he have been as successful as he is, honestly. United States of America. God bless our country. God bless our military. God bless Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, Ben Carson. God bless all Americans. Thanks for tuning in to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, and we'll be back again Wednesday. You can listen to the Gary Gatehouse Show 24-7 on freedominamerica.us, Monday through Friday on freedominamericaradio.com. So if you miss the show, you you can go up there. You won't you won't miss it. You won't have the excuse not to be able to tune in. It's up there playing. Until Wednesday, this is Gary Gatehouse. Good day. Wait a minute.